0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Claire. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics podcast at secondprintcomics.com. yourself you're on the run with Remzo W Martinez mr. Jay Edgar host contemporary thank you so much for coming on the program man hey thanks for having me we've uh we, we've been following each other on Twitter for some bit I enjoy your stuff you make me laugh and think but I don't remember what what entirely started it but there there was a there was a Twitter thread the other day and I think I was I think I I don't know if I had Asked a question Or if I had retweeted Something about like What's the worst thing You've done in a relationship Or the worst thing That's happened to you In a relationship and, I don't think uh, it was you I think it was, it was somebody else Somebody else You just
1: caught it Yeah Cause I retweeted it But yeah That's so, what it was Was what's the worst thing That's happened to you in a, Or what it's what, uh, What's the worst thing That's been done to you In a relationship Oh yeah
0: I threw out I threw out something Like you know Real quippy And then you You like darkened The mood And I was like Well shit This got weird <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh let, let's just let's just jump into it. what what did you respond with?
1: Um, when I was twenty two, well, actually, let's just get right into the reason that we're here. when I was twenty three, The girl I had been dating for a year that had moved me across the country um, broke up with me. Um, I was having problems with suicide and being suicidal about it. And she was continually coming around all the time, too. She was still hanging out with me. And, you know, it comes to find out that she's kind of pushing some other girls that I've been seeing way at the time. I found out three years after that that she admitted that she was trying to convince me to kill myself.
0: And you see, this is why when people who have been listening for a while listen to this show, they begin to think, "What the fuck does Remso talk about now?" <laughs> and it's and it's stuff like this. Uh, I, I I'm I'm pretty damn sure convinced that now this whole podcast is an excuse just for me to have absolutely strange conversations with people I meet all around the place. And, you know, it's, it's been odd. You and I were talking a little offline before this, the show has really turned into a, a place about exploring the strangeness of life and the often uncomfortable topics that we tend to kind of glide over in, in, you know, everyday society. But that, that is one of those things that we've been, um, Uh, touching on slightly we've had a lot of guests on in the past primarily who were women who have talked about what is gaslighting and why is it something that is more likely to happen to a woman versus a man we've talked Mm -hmm. about the goods and the bads and the pitfalls and the upfalls and you know whatever that means uh in in the dating world and stuff like this but this is really one of those things where um you know if you're gonna listen to this it usually comes at a point where you're desperate. You're in a bad situation. You're already Googling this type of information. Rarely mm-hmm. ever will you go through this and come across it in, in any other conversation, especially other shows. Um, I, I think that's why I like the exploration format of what I do here at on the run. And um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to, just make it sound like it's, it's a joke and I'm going to dunk on you. It's an incredibly serious topic. And, um, you know, for you to come out and say it online of all places, that's not just something that, you know, once you kind of put it out there, uh, it, it's just kind of there and people are going to forget. It certainly caught my eye. And right now, I think the timing of this is kind of funny at the time of we of our recording, uh, the Simone Biles situation, uh, where everyone seems to have an opinion on that, seems to be going in, in every every direction imaginable and I've got an opinion on that you know I was I was in the army and I attended a military school and we had a word for people who quit and it was quitters. but you know that that has less to do with um, you know whatever mental health excuse I think that she's using and I do often think it's an excuse and I think that often we, we talk about uh, mental health so much in such a broad way it's almost like the word hero like everyone's a hero. Surviving is heroic. Doing very little is heroic. You know, hero doesn't mean anything anymore. And I think, you know, when when we tend to water down as something as serious as mental illness or as serious as, you know, thoughts of suicide... And it becomes a joke, and it just becomes another excuse that people throw out there. Um, it, it tends to really harm the people that are directly dealing with those situations. So I just want to say, you know, I I do appreciate you coming on to talk about this, especially since it, I know it happens to men. I've had friends who have been in very abusive relationships, both physically and emotionally, with women, but. It's one of those things that is still, even today, nobody wants to talk about it. Because if you're a guy and you're being abused by a woman, you're a pussy. If you're a guy and you're being abused by a woman, well, what are you doing to piss her off? It's almost like, you know, it, it immediately becomes a joke. And then when something really bad happens, everyone's like, oh my God, how do you, how, how'd we, why'd we let it get this far? I wish I could have done more. And then they yes. move on and that, and that bothers the living shit out of me. So let's, let, let's start from the beginning. Why, why are you, why did you want to bring it up online of all places? And then let's get into really, where did you start to see that relationship manifest from, okay, this is pretty cool to, oh my God, she's trying to get me to kill myself.
1: Well, to bring it up online, it's, it's come to a point, it's been 10 years I think let me do some mental math here. It's been 14 years uh, at this point. I was 23. I am now 37. So yeah, it's, it's been 14 years. I am past it at this point. And even though I have struggled as recently as three years ago um, after finding, well, the golden microphone was a huge boon to me, definitely. And I don't know, is this a video or audio
0: the eib it it, for us it's video they're just going to have to imagine it being all sparkly Uh, and stuff
1: (laughs) yeah i I do have a golden micro and it actually was because of the eib that was the reason (laughs) that i chose (laughs) this particular (laughs) (laughs)
0: um
1: that has been one thing that has helped me through this but just the fact that i'm able to talk about this openly now um I talked to you a bit about this before you started recording too. And I mean, this is so important to me because I know that it happens to people. And I know that a lot of people think that they have no place to go. I just did a 24-hour fundraiser on the 17th of April to raise $1,800 for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention because of wow. because that's happened to me and because I struggled um, with it so much. My co-host Elaine for over on the red net show was a huge help to me. I think she moved us to a point where we maybe could have brought in three, 400 bucks to where we got 1800 bucks. I know she was trying to push for that 2,500 bucks because I promised that her I'd get a haircut at 2,500
0: bucks. That obviously hasn't happened.
1: <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm past it, and being open with it means that somebody else could see this, reach out, and say, "Hey, what happened here?" and think that it, it's okay. It gets better. I can get past this. I'm yeah. not ashamed of it anymore. I was ashamed of it for a very long time.
0: Well, well, it's like me in therapy. Like I, I have come out recently on uh, the last dozen episodes or, of, or so of the show, and I've, I've, you know, I, I've told people, you know, like I, I, I've been through anger management. I've been through three, four therapists since 2017, and uh, you know, like that—that—that's one of those things where it's like men seeing a therapist or a psychologist is still faux pas. Like, obviously, yeah. you're you're the next, you know, Timothy McVeigh or something or there's something like severely wrong with you. Like how, how can you operate in day-to-day society? And and it shocks some people to some people. It wasn't a surprise because they knew that I wasn't doing well emotionally. And then I was getting better, but they didn't necessarily know why. And it it got to the point where it's like, you know, I see the effects of seeing a professional as a, as, as a benefit to me. And I was certainly somebody who did judge others for that before I ended up uh, seeing uh, you know, seeking help myself, and it was like, you know, this is a big thing. And I know if I was struggling with this, I certainly know that there are other people who are. So it wasn't necessarily my campaign to normalize it. It was just being honest. Because if you're oh. sick, you go see a doctor. If you want to lose weight, you go see uh, a trainer. If you if your car is messed up, you go take it to a mechanic. If if you're not feeling great mentally, and your worst enemy is yourself. Why wouldn't you go seek a professional? And, and that's where I've where, where I've kind of come to it as you know, it's it's real life. It's it, it it is real life. Like everything we do, good or bad, has consequences. We might as well understand what is going to try and bring us the best results. And um, you know, it's it, it's one of those situations where, like, the one good thing I'll say about the pandemic is that it It at least made the conversation a lot more normal for people because now everybody had a story. Whether it was them directly, they were all like, I know a friend who took his life. I know somebody who had to seek help. I know somebody who's doing really bad right now and I didn't think that person was doing bad. They looked like they had all all their shit together and stuff. And it's like, you know, it's it's real. It can be, um, you know, Treated with with help. And the first step, like, you know, like Alcoholics Anonymous for some people, the first step to, to knowing there is a problem is admitting there's a problem and there's no shame in that.
1: No, and I mean I, I've known about this for a long time, and you know some of this I can attribute maybe to medications that I had to take when I was a kid. I was misdiagnosed with ADHD when I was younger, and that does mess with your brain serotonin. So I may have been uh, predisposed to this without even knowing on onto it, and you know just once something gets into there, and then the person latches on and says, "Okay, this is this is where I'm going to get my self esteem from," you know, then you're trapped in it already.
0: Yeah. So what, 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 what was, what, let's talk about this relationship specifically, because while you definitely did allude that, you know, there, there may have been some stuff leading up to this that should have been a red flag, ultimately it was another individual who was putting you in this situation. How did it start? Where did it begin to kind of devolve? And what, what type of like, we haven't talked past this part yet. What type of person fucking admits that they want, Somebody that they used to be in a relationship with not only to die, because people say that passively, it's like, I wish you died or I wish you got hit by a truck, but it's like, I, yeah, you know, I was, I was intentionally trying to do certain things because I wanted you to kill yourself. That is some like, like, honestly, that's like worse than any Marvel supervillain. Like that is just straight up fucking evil.
1: Yeah. And really, honestly, you, you would have never known. I mean, this is. Well, this was meet online in a chat room before it was normalized by Tinder, or, um, Bumble, or whatever the fuck it is that people use is nowadays. Isn't it so weird
0: to see hot women online dating sites now? <laughs> <laughs> it, no, like, it's, still, it's still like, it's one of those things where I'm like, you don't fucking need this app. Why are you here? Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the women that are on
1: there, you know that they walk through the grocery store and get asked out three or four times. I've seen it happen.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so strange, But Anyway, let's, let's, let's get back to it.
1: So, um, the year is 2000 and let me get the timeline. Absolutely accurate here. The year is about 2005.
0: Oh, David Um, Carradine's still alive. David Carradine. I don't know that person. You know, have you ever seen Kill Bill 2?
1: I have. It's one of like four movies I've ever seen. I just didn't realize that, uh,
0: David is bill. Oh, he that's actually. Been a while. He, yeah, he he killed himself while I was in high school in 2011. But it wasn't because he was suicidal. It's because he was masturbating. Uh, uh, you know, what, what's it called? Autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh, geez. Did you just know? Did am I am I telling you this for the first time? You are actually okay. So David Caradine did not intentionally kill himself. But go on. And Epstein also did not intentionally kill himself. Oh.
1: <laughs> i had to throw that one in there so the year is 2005 um i am just getting um ready to propose to my second fiance um another relationship that really shouldn't have gone as far as that it went but it also because she had been gone in germany i'd been reaching out in chat rooms just to kind of fill the void while she was gone uh, studying abroad and i had run across um a girl She'd been in one. Um, She disappeared for a little while afterwards. And then she had come back under a different name. And, you know, we had been talking and we started DMing with each other, just talking privately. I realized this was the same girl that I'd been talking to before. And I'd started to have a little crush on because we never, of course, we'd never seen each other. But then as things, you know, got hotter and heavier, um, even before my second fiance came home, We started to realize that we were very much into each other. She was very much my type, very, very much my type. Um, So we decided that, okay, we can't do this because I'm about to get married to another girl who I'm about to move in with. But, you know, as, as things go forward and forward and further and further, she was planting seeds of doubt in my mind as we were going on where the relationship was, which, don't get me wrong. That relationship needed to end. I did not need to be marrying my second fiance because there was so much difference between the two of us. And I look back at that and I realize that now, but she was planting the seeds to kind of accelerate this. And you know, I wasn't sure why I wasn't sure why. And then I just realized, you know what? I don't, I don't want to be with Kim anymore. I want to be with Roxanne. And I got it into my head of great proportions at the time that it would be a good idea because i was switching majors in school i was actually completely switching the types of school that i was going to going from an engineering degree to an auto mechanic degree hey why don't i go to school on the east coast that's a great idea as one does so after i left kim i stayed uh, with my aunt and uncle for about four months and saved up a little bit of money and loaded up my 1994 chevrolet silverado with everything that I owned. And drove from Kenosha, Wisconsin, to uh
0: Eastern Massachusetts, having having driven through Kenosha after the riots, leaving Kenosha is always a good decision. It is a good decision. and that was I mean that was even back in six before the riots ever happened. From what I'm told, Kenosha was always Kenosha it was It wasn't bad when I moved there. Cause I moved there from but, Northern but, Wisconsin, but, 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 but it
1: wasn't like, you know, always great either. It, it wasn't bad when I moved there because there were still places for people to go to work there.
0: Oh yeah. But true. those,
1: those slowly started leaving and people started having to commute from to either Chicago or Milwaukee to go to work. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of, it fell from there. It wasn't terrible when I lived there. It was actually developing still when I lived there.
0: Well, you know, it's like Milwaukee now. I had to get a, I had to get a steering wheel lock for my car because you've got that guy going around stealing Hyundai's and Kia's. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a given and take, and the, I guess.
1: And the Milwaukee Police Department blames Hyundai and Kia for it.
0: Yeah. They're like, well, you know, if your cars weren't so like (laughs) stealing, like I I have a friend who's friend who's friends of somebody in the, in the County Sheriff's department. And they're like, listen, we can't, we're not going to find your car. Okay. (laughs) Like just make your car more theft proof. And I'm like, you've got to be fun. I haven't gone into Milwaukee other than for work uh, to go do anything else uh, until the other day when I got my steering wheel lock. And now that thing is screwing up my, you know, the, the leather on my steering wheel. So, so thanks Milwaukee PD. I appreciate it. But anyway, West, you left Kenosha, which is out. good. Come I like I li- I, li- I, li- I like it here because I get all the big city stuff I want with all the like small town stuff I don't. You know, I-, I I don't necessarily take for granted as much anymore. Especially like when the when the when the George Floyd coronavirus riots happen again, at least I'm getting a head start. Nice.
1: Anyway, so yeah, I packed everything. You left owned, Kenosha. Left Kenosha. Got in the truck. Drove across the country. Further east than I've ever been in my life. Um, And yeah, I mean, everything was going seemingly great when, uh, when I got out there. I mean, she was there all the time. I smoked the engine in my truck, but I was able to go out and get a new one right away, get that put in. And everything was all well and good there. I mean, her family seemed to love me. Everything was great. I was actually told, I was urged that uh, I shouldn't go out there because it's, it's not okay to be a redneck in Massachusetts. And I uh, met up with some people from Plymouth and found out that that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I found people in Plymouth, Massachusetts who have rednecks than I did. <clears throat> um, so, I mean, it was all going great. And she had committed to going to school in New Hampshire, which I, I thought that was kind of cool. And, you know, it was, you know everything. In New England is close, so it was only like a two-hour drive to get up there and spend a couple of days with her. While I was up there, you take the weekend off, you go spend it with a girlfriend. And um, looking back on it, first and foremost, anybody who would plant the seeds and get you to break off an engagement to move out east, knowing full so well you could do it again, it probably should not be trusted, or probably has ulterior motives. But I mean, Disney you know, once she's up there. Disney lied to us. I'm um, getting up there and the red flags were out there. Cause you know, she's hanging around with um, these other guys. She's in an anime club um, gaming club. She's president of gaming club because they all simp for the girl. And I mean, this was before online where it made simping. Okay. Too. So a I, girl w- like that I don't was-
0: want to stereotype anyone, but was she like the choking, the the token nerd chick who knew that. So mm-hmm. she took advantage of that because that's mm-hmm. kind of the read I'm getting. Oh, Okay.
1: Uh, plus she was also, um, cheating on me with her, the boyfriend she broke up with, cause she broke up with somebody too. Um, and then one day just out of the blue, as things were starting to kind of crash and, you know, I was starting to question why a girl like that wanted to be with me. She's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And it just, it crushed me when she broke up with me.
0: From, from when you moved, from when you moved and started seeing her to when that happened, how, how much time had gone by.
1: Well, we had agreed to be exclusive four months before I moved. So that, um, once you add on to that, that was eight months that we were together from when I moved. So it was eight months at that point. Um, That crushed me completely because not only was I dealing with a breakup, but I was also dealing with a breakup with nobody around me that I knew at that point. I'm 17 hours away from anybody, the, the nearest person that I know at the time.
0: That's a hard place to be.
1: That's a hard place to be. And, um, you know, while she was doing this, uh, she would on and off, call me to check on me, but then isolate me for a couple days. Um, if I did start to get interested with somebody, you know, and that's, that's like one of the only friends that I have there too. That's something you have to keep in mind. And she knew that too. So, you know, I'd reach out to her and say, Hey, you know, I, this is happening. This is happening. Uh, she'd kind of, Plant the seed in your minds of, you know, hey, you like this girl? Are, Are you sure that you can make this one work here? I think you might need to work on yourself or something. It was innocuous from the outside. But once you start looking back to everything else, and once you've heard her admit what she admitted, you realize, oh, shit, she was trying to plant the seeds of doubt in me
0: was she like the this sounds like a situation where you're dealing with somebody who isn't necessarily happy themselves. So what they have to do is in order to seek some type of peace, they have to make sure that other people around them are just as unhappy
1: when she confessed to it, I asked her why she didn't. and she said because it made me feel really good about myself. and I was always pushed around when I was in school.
0: How is that? like I she she it's it's the villain of the motive situation, but it's like, I don't don't understand how – well, no, I do understand because people are flawed and people make bad decisions, sometimes intentionally. I think in society we want to take away the choice and the intention away from doing bad things. But it's this sick mindset that comes from I'm hurt, so my reaction to this going forward is I want to hurt other people.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And there, was, there were more fucked up things about that, too, I found out later on because, you know, it always seemed like she was always around or knew what was happening with me, even though she was two hours away. I found out that she had made friends with somebody that was going to school with me, where I was going to school. Was that, was that intentional or by
0: coincidence? I don't have enough information to say. But it's far too coincidental to just be that, though.
1: Mm hmm.
0: You don't need yes. to be, you know, you know, Perot to understand that.
1: Yeah. Um, at a couple of points, I had mentioned to her that I was having thoughts of suicide. Um, and then she just makes some passing. Oh, well, I mean, should I call the police? Because I hear that's what you're supposed to do if, if somebody thinks that they're going to do this. And then, you know, nothing would happen. I'd be isolated again for another couple of days. And then, you know, I'd get a text or a call back at some point. My mind still spiraling into things. Um, I made three attempts while I was out there. I'm not going to go into details of what I did because, you know, trigger warning and everything. Um, I did make three attempts while I was out there. Um, at some point towards the end of everything, I realized it, it came to be when I found out that she was friends with somebody that I went to school with that she had never met before. And I said, you know what? I, I can't have this person in my life anymore. I have to cut this person off of my life, otherwise, something bad is going to happen. And I'm in a sane enough point of mind right now where I know that this is not going to be a good thing.
0: Yeah i i the, the the only parallel I have to that is I I like I I don't know if there's like a proper term for it. I know it's not sociopathic behavior, but it, it's this it's this mindset of you know, it, I, I only. I won't even call it like parasitic. It's just this need to be a, a presence in somebody's life that's not necessarily always inherently negative, but you're certainly not contributing to any positivity. Somebody I really cared about um, was friends with this person for about, you know, 12, 13 years. They grew up together. And for the most part, they were each other's only friends. And the, the thing that I noticed was that they went through this cycle of they would be friends. They would get into a fight. They wouldn't talk to each other for like a year. Then they would make up and they would be everything to each other. And then they get into another fight. And it kept going on and on and on. And what I noticed was this person always came back into her life when her life seemed to be doing better. And then when Uh she came back in, it was always to try and isolate her from other people and to basically... Make it so that she was her only Priority as a friend And eventually, you know, it got to the Point where it's like, I could bring this up, I'm like This person isn't your only Friend, this person just wants to be Your only friend And after, you know, a series Of revelations, because no matter what I Or anyone else could say, it's like, unless the Person really admits that that to Themselves, nothing good is going to happen Eventually, she just Completely cut this person out of her life And uh she was like you know i i i can't be in that relationship again but it took all, it took more than a decade and uh-huh. it's one of the situations where it's like you want to believe the best of intentions when it comes to people that you do care about to a degree but you know that's it, it gets it, it gets worse when you know it, it it just keeps getting into this cycle and um you know i don't think people like that can be reasoned with because they had enough moments where it's like, oh, maybe I'm breaking through to this person, or maybe we just need to be honest about something. It's like there's always an excuse. And there's always a reason. But you know, I'm I'm of the mindset, you know, I, I joke about certain people being like NPCs to a degree. It's like some people just don't want to change. It's like not every school shooter was just a mentally disturbed person. Not every terrorist was just a person who's Sheep got blown up by a drone. Not every person has to have the tragic Disney backstory. Some people are just bad people because they want to be. And we need to accept that. And Mm -hmm. sometimes there's nothing else to do about it. It's just identifying it that seems to be hard, especially when you're in the midst of it. How did did you get to that How did you get to that conversation with her I mean what would even make her want to admit To her intentions Well um, It came to a point um, Well When I cut
1: her out of my life I was actually thankful enough to do um, I do need to give some credit where credit was due Um, This was back when you could Search and filter for friends on MySpace Back then by where they lived And I found a girl who lived I found a girl who lived a couple towns away and I had a really, really, really big crush on her too. Another one who was really much my type. Um, she actually became a very good friend to me. And I started to remember what it was like to have a real friend, not somebody, because I mean, everything that Roxanne did when she was talking to me made it seem like she was trying to be protective of me, but she really wasn't. She was like you had said, trying to isolate me back out so she could maintain that level of control in my life. This was um, years later then I'd already moved back to Wisconsin I was back living in Kenosha actually um, I, I'd seen her pop on to AOL messenger which I had been using for another messed up relationship that I want myself into that I'm not going to bore you with that one um, but I' hey, seen source
0: of AOL messenger already sounds like it's going downhill.
1: <laughs> well, I saw Roxanne's screen name pop up on AOL messenger and I you know I, I felt compelled to go talk to her. I don't know why. But I felt compelled to, I said, "Hey, you know, everything's all good now." Uh, the last thing that you said is that you had you had met somebody and were friends with um with somebody who was around me, and I had to cut you off at that point. Um, I moved back, and I mean, everything's going great. But and I, and I said this. I said, "Do you do you realize that you how close you came to putting me into an early grave? How close you got me to almost killing myself?" And she said, "Well, yeah, that was the plan. I was trying to convince you to fuck."
0: Were, were you, were you telling her this to get some type of peace of mind? Like, did you want closure or were you yeah. trying to. No, I was trying to get the closure relationship. Of this.
1: No, God, no. I was not going back to the East coast for any goddamn thing.
0: <laughs> so closure was the intention. You wanted an mm-hmm. answer. Yeah. Did you, did you think that that was going to be what she responded with? With, like I say, seemingly
1: protective as it always seemed? No, I had no idea. I didn't know what I expected her to say, but it was not that.
0: I don't know. I genuinely don't know how I could respond to that. Like, I've had betrayals. Like, I've had people who I really cared about who hurt me, and when I found out about it, like, it definitely hurts. To hear that somebody and i'm I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Did she hate you? did she did 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 and you don't have to talk about it, but like did you do something to her to warrant this like what what causes an otherwise average person to prey on somebody like this that's what that's why I'm having a difficult time understanding. I know it's possible. I know it's real. It's just the why, though. Well, I
1: know one of the things that was with, with her was body image. She was a bigger girl. And she... Yeah, she, but, she but she was in an anime, the, anime
0: girl, so she doesn't need to change anything.
1: That's, that's fair.
0: Um, We've all been she, to the cons. We know who gets the attention.
1: But, I mean, she, she always pointed out. And coming from a fairly wealthy... Massachusetts town. I'm not going to say what town it was, but the, there's some money flowing through that town. You're usually looking at the, you know, the the yuppie kind of, you know, this is. I don't know what the teen shows are now that people would understand, but
0: just say nine zero two one zero.
1: Yeah, the nine zero two one zero body type is what usually goes around in these schools. And for her, and like she had confided in me one time, she's like. um, Well, you know, growing up, I was always teased because I was the first person, not the first girl, but the first person to break uh, three digits on weight.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm sure that that did have a, a lot to do with it, that I positive that had a lot to do with it, because she said, when I asked her why you would do something like that, she said, because it made me really feel good about myself that a person wanted me that badly, that they would die for me.
0: Is that, is that her saying that in order to admit to an issue that she has in order to try and change it? Or is that just a continuation of this mental torture that she's already been perpetuating?
1: That I can't answer because I ended I mean, the conversation you, at that point.
0: Yeah, I mean, you understand how that admission alone could just be as bad as everything else.
1: Yes. Yeah, no, I understand entirely.
0: Yeah, no, I think I, I think I'm the one who has a hard time understanding that. It's I'm still I'm st- this this blows my freaking mind. Like it it, it just it just So so you, certain- so you close the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Never spoke to her again. Wow. Can, can you blame me for never speaking to her again? No, not, not at all. That's <laughs> the, that's the best decision. I mean, you know, it's, it's easy to play armchair quarterback. I could be like, well, I just wouldn't have responded back to her to begin with, but I, I get what you were doing, what you were doing made, made perfect sense. What, what, what came after? How, how do you, how do you, how did you feel?
1: When I saw those words in black and pink, because I mean, it's not black and white black background, pink text, My blood ran cold. My blood ran absolutely cold when I saw that because my mind started replaying everything that had happened in the eight months that we were together. And then the four months that followed and starting to realize where this was starting to fall into place and starting to see where this absolutely could have been intentional. You you know, you hear something like that and he's like, Could I have seen this before? Could I have stopped this before? Should I have noticed this before? And really, honestly, now that I look back at that, I probably should have.
0: Who was that? Man, I'm blanking out on her name. She She was that woman who basically convinced her boyfriend to kill himself over a bunch of text messages. And she ended up going to jail. It was about three, four years ago.
1: Uh, I'm not familiar with that story. I'm sorry. There there
0: was this, it's okay. I'll I'll be general. Like there was this woman who had this boyfriend and they were breaking up, but like they hadn't like broken up yet. And he was basically Mm -hmm. in just such a compromised emotional state. She said, you know what? Fuck it. You should just kill yourself. Nobody would miss you. And um, he killed himself and his parents got um, access to his phone and saw the text messages and they use that to basically get her charged for murder. I think she went to jail for manslaughter.
1: It's probably depending on the state that's probably accurate, yeah, in fact, in most states, I think that that's what that would be because I mean, without intent, without her actually pulling the trigger, that would be really hard to go with murder Then it's the worst part of it too, because like if you, if you had
0: if you had done that. She just goes on with her life, whether people knew about it or not. Right. And that's the scary thing about it. People like that walk amongst us and smile and go about their day. And we never know.
1: Well, there, I mean, there's there's another end of this too, just another twist in the story.
0: Oh God. And to
1: something that I can come back and say that this person I think was just speaking generally in a place of hurt, not necessarily a place. While I was in the midst of it and at part of the worst part of it, I had also reached out to my ex fiance to say, because I didn't know who to turn to at that point. I was in such a mess. I was afraid that if I turned to my parents that I'd be committed for life without any possibility of ever being returned to society. So I was afraid to death that. And I reached out to my ex fiance and I said, you know, this, this happened. Roxanne left me. And I kind of got the cold of, well, you got what you deserve, kind of thing. And I said, Well, here's the problem. I don't know what to do because I've been having all these thoughts. I feel like I I could kill myself right now at any second. And she messaged me back and said, Well, good, do it. You make the world world a better place.
0: Okay. I'm that
1: totally that was coming from a point of hurt. And I can't. Yeah, forget like her that, for that, that one.
0: makes I'm I'm not justifying it. I agree with you. That that's mm-hmm. definitely coming from a place of hurt.
1: A year after breaking off what was going to be a wedding, a young wedding. Yeah, I can justify that as a place of hurt. Still sucks. It still blows out loud, but I can justify that one at least.
0: Well, I I based a a character in my second book off a real person and had him get hit by a Mack truck. So, you know, I, I I get it to a degree, but like, you know, that that's, that's the difference though. It's, it's the intention, like what, what your ex fiance said is obviously a. A reaction that, of course, she does not mean. But with with this other woman, like that is, did did you had to you had to, have, you had to have like Facebook snooped or something afterwards? Like no, how okay? I well, don't care. You're a better you're a better person than me because I'd want to know what where this person is at any given moment. Um, that is, so so you call you call your ex fiance. She says that to you obviously Uh you're, you're in a, you're in a worse off position. What, what happens? I mean, do you, do you let yourself kind of simmer in it? Do you try and rebound? I mean, this is, this is a double blow. This is a person you cared about intentionally trying to bring harm to you. And then a person who you cared about, who you harmed emotionally because of that is now reacting in you know, let's, let's call it a harmful way. Like that is, that is a situation that most people would just define as a nightmare.
1: Yeah. And I, I am not going to lie to you and tell you that I didn't wind up in the bottom of a bottle or a woman. Cause I spent many, many years womanizing to go through, to, to just try and get over that and drinking to a point that uh, probably was harmful to my life.
0: I mean, people in Wisconsin don't really worry about liver cancer, as I've discovered.
1: No, but it was still a detriment to to yeah. the way that I was, to, to my life, to working, to all kinds of other things. Right. A uh, series of bad relationships here and there. I fucked up another really good relationship somewhere down the line on that because, you know, I was still reeling from that. It was defensive um, in terms of not like- necessarily. Uh, another girl with dark hair and light eyes caught my attention and convinced me to leave the girl that I was dating and probably on the path of marrying at that time too.
0: Oh boy.
1: So yeah, I, just, I did not deal with it. Well, I dealt with it just not well.
0: Are Are you at a, are you at a point of peace with it now? I am. That's what, the reason I led, could so go on online. I mean, what, so what led um, to that?
1: Shortly after Liz and I split, who was the one who split me off from the, the other girl I was going down to the life of marriage. Um, honestly enough, I had been watching How I Met Your Mother because that was Liz's favorite show. And, and you know, I kind of related with the, the Barney character because I've been drinking, womanizing so much. I love cigars and scotch and everything. And because he had always talked about his blog, I said, OK, well, I am going to blog just as a joke off of it i'm gonna do this just so i can say hey go read my blog and i started writing about relationships of all things i didn't (laughs) intend to it's just that was, was always on my mind dating and relationships where stuff fails where stuff succeeds all my archives are still in my blog site too like i i left them all in there uh it was famous girls that i thought that were hot um good scotches, good cigars, but I'd started uh, writing about social issues more. And, you know, this was at the the time of Romney Obama and the debates after that. And I started taking a really hard turn for politics because I started to study and what, uh, see what political science was all about. What was in the constitution, what wasn't, and what people believed was in the constitution and what wasn't. And I, I started writing more and more. And, you know, every once in a while you did something philosophical, Something political. I wrote when King of the Nerds was on TBS. I actually wrote a rebuttal to the debate that they had <laughs> on debate night over who would win in a dogfight: the Millennium Falcon or the Enterprise. Obviously, check, the, the Enterprise, Enterprise had Enterprise. a lot more
0: sheet metal on it. The Enterprise is like a million times bigger than the Millennium Falcon. Yeah,
1: exactly. I'm like, th- this isn't
0: even a comparison, you guys. That's sheet like a, that's like metal. a that's like a T Rex and a Chihuahua. Am I saying the that Millennium a, Falcon's not cool? No, I'm just saying if you, you compare it to that, you're going to fucking die.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I made the comparison. I'm like, this is like a Space Semi going against an aircraft carrier.
0: Oh, that's even... I mean, that that's even more of an apt description.
1: But, well, to, it's essentially the, what the Millennium Falcon was, <laughs> a Space Semi.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would compare it more like a Space Winnebago if you really think about it, but that, that makes <laughs> sense. So So really, in, in order... In order to move on from these relationships, I think where uh, a lot of people that I see now, who I graduated from, you know, college with, who have tried to go on, and now they're really trying to find, you know, that that forever relationship. Uh, th- those people tend to define themselves by the relationship. They tend to define themselves by their partner. So it sounds like what you did in order to find peace with those former relationships was you had to redefine your own identity would you say that was i had correct? to
1: define myself yeah absolutely because that's i mean that's one thing to keep in mind too with where i was when roxanne left is i had been essentially in a relationship from the time i was 17 on until she left me because i went out with my first fiance we met when we when she was 15 i was 17 um, we met then and wound up getting engaged right, uh, after high school. And then I moved to Kenosha from redacted. Sorry, it's too small of <laughs> a town. I'm not going to say where it is. <laughs> I'll tell you off mic, because you could, you probably go there at some point.
0: Um, but I, I, I very rarely leave my apartment. I'm a, very, <laughs> I, I'm at the point where it's like, I found my routines. I'm very comfortable with not doing much, even though people are like, but I see you going around with Scott's, all these different places. It's like, it's different. Once you go an hour and a half out, it's almost like a little vacation. I can I can justify a lot of things.
1: Yeah, but I can take you to one of the places that isn't on that atlas obscura that should be
0: too. Uh, now you've got my attention. Sir. <laughs> we'll talk but, about
1: that offline. Yeah, that's that's too small of a town for me to come back and say uh, while we're going out, spreading across the country here. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, I broke up with my first fiance, almost immediately got into a relationship with another girl. We broke up, um, almost immediately met my second fiance. Her and I split up and I almost immediately landed it with Roxanne and moved across the country. So yeah, from 17 to 23, I was entirely coupled down to at least one person across the, across the spectrum. So yes, it did take a little bit of defining myself and becoming, realizing who I was, not who I could be in a relationship, but who I was myself.
0: I, I feel like, you know, in a strange way, you're, you're one of the few outlier men I've met. And I think that this is more of a situation of men. I'm not saying it doesn't happen with women, but this, this specific archetype, I see more with men. I know very little men who are able to rebound in a way. Because even if they identify it, the thought of not being attached to somebody else in order to justify them doing things, you know that that's almost too painful. like I, I had a friend who's part of my f- friend group who is with this woman now and we we haven't spoken for almost a year. so it's like you know before the before the plague and everything. So at this uh-huh. point you know like the relationship is is, is just non-existent. But, you know, he, he found his identity through this woman who was just not good for him. And, you know, he, he didn't even really like he, for more, for all while I can tell, he still doesn't even really like her, but he, like <laughs> I asked him the last time we were, we were together drinking. I was like, why? And he's like, because it feels weird when I don't have her as an excuse to do something. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I can't go and just hang out with certain friends because if she's not there, then I really wonder if they're my friends or not. And that was another okay. thing. The re- he was he was hanging out with us, telling her that he was at work. She didn't she didn't like us, so that was one of the problems. She didn't like yeah. us, his friends group. She wanted him to be friends of her friends group. So when he told us that, like it confused us for a while. It's like that's 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 a pussy move. Like, what the hell, man? But then it was like, you know, I can't go to movies because now I just associate doing that with her. It's like all these things that I used to do with myself, now it feels wrong to do it without her in a way. And he wasn't saying that and, that, oh, I love her and I have to do this. It was more like a, this, this has become almost entirely dictated by her. She has to be the root for everything I do now, and I have lost myself in the process. And when we tried yeah. to be like, dude, mate, we're not telling you to break up with her. That's your own choice. But it's like you've got to make a decision because obviously everything you just said is horrible. But he was so afraid of the repercussions of breaking up with her that that is what has led to his relationship with the four of us. His friend group for a decade dying.
1: And I I actually, I can relate to that entirely because, and this is probably one of the good things that I can take away from the hell that Roxanne put me through, was had she not busted me out of there, that's exactly where I would be married to my second fiance. I promise you that's exactly where I would have been because that is exactly what it was with her towards the end of it. She didn't want me out hanging out with any of my friends. She wanted to be, she went out like when she went to, um, she grew up in green Bay. So when she went out with her friends, it was always, Oh, well I, I'm going to the bar with Lindsay and this person and that person. I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, you're going to the bar with this person and that person. Are, are you going to go look at other girls? Are you going to do this? Or are you going to do that? I'm like, no. But I got another story about that too, just based on the, because I, I did like Kim but based on the, the thing that you had said where, and I'm not going to, I am going to do everything I can to not name names on this. And I hope to God the people involved don't hear this because um, I know the guy involved is going to recognize what I'm about to say. So there, I, I had this group of friends when I lived in Kenosha. They were all very close friends with mine. And at some point, a, a girl came into this group of friends, uh, a little bit older than me, which everybody else in the group was younger than me. This girl is just a. I take that back. Two of the people in the group were older than me, but this girl is just a, a little bit older than me, a couple of years older than me. Uh, the person involved is younger than me, but she comes into this group and she starts hanging around. And right before I no, it's right after I met her. It was like the day after I met her. I had gone on a road trip with one of the members of this group of friends. We'd gone uh, out of town for a little bit. And he was telling me about this girl. I says, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what she's going to do. She, she's she been married before, but, um, you know, she she's a little bit crazy. She just wants to go settle down and do this and everything. We're going to see if we can set her up with, and I'm not going to name the name of who they were going to try to go back and set her up with. And I'm like, well... Why why are you trying to push her off? Well, you know she she is a little bit damaged. She's been married, and you know she she's bigger than like even you would like. And like, dude, it's not about size; it's about (laughs) shape. You know that.
0: All the ladies need love. (laughs) You've
1: seen me with a you've seen me date a model. Okay, it's not about the size, you dumbass. (laughs) But he did say that. Um, God, I hope he doesn't hear this. I hope she doesn't hear this. But anyway, um, so they said, okay, well, we're, we're going to try and set him, set her up with uh, this other member of our group of friends because the, then they, they can get together and then, you know, we don't have to sit back and worry about this or anything. And um, yeah, two years later, the friend that I was on that road trip with and that girl got married.
0: Oh, that's so fucking funny. <laughs> and, oh, in, I, su- I, in such a, it's <laughs> such the wrong way.
1: <laughs> if you hear this, I am sorry. You know who you are. And I am sorry because, you know, you said that, you know, you said that to me and I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't listen to this with your wife.
0: Um, Can can you say now after all of that, that that you have found a, a degree of happiness in your life?
1: I can. I really can. And this comes to a place too. I mean, just last Christmas, like the Sunday before last Christmas, my third fiance broke up with me and I was fine with it. I'm sorry. It was the Monday, the Monday before last Christmas, my third fiance broke up with me an hour before the red net show. And I did the red net show with a smile on my face that day. You can go, if you can ask Elaine, she'll tell you that I didn't even miss a beat.
0: What? What was finally the moment where you allowed yourself to say that, you know, I, I can be happy, not just because I, I'm allowing myself to be, but because I genuinely am. Because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, that, that is the one thing that's void in a person's life when they see that there's no other option. It's that the, the hope of happiness is gone. And the thing that I've had to tell myself, it's that, you know, happiness is fleeting, but ultimately happiness is still a choice. If if you choose it and happiness is not always, you know, Lamborghinis and, you know, pots of gold and stuff, but happiness is being able to, to, to look at yourself in the mirror and not think I hate you. It's the ability to move on and willingly do things that, you know, will bring you joy.
1: Um, A lot of it was finding ways to help others. That has been a huge thing for my life is doing everything that I can to help others. Even when I left Kenosha, the first thing I did was I moved in with my cousin because he was just starting off a campground and I, because living in Kenosha at the bottom of the pandemic and coming out of mechanic school where mechanics were a dime a dozen, because that's every guy's backup job. You know, I thought that I was just, I was never going to be able to find a career in my life and You know, I was always going to be bouncing from job to job. And my cousin thought I was going to be doing that, too. Well, as the
0: former director of outreach at Parlor, I can certainly tell you life gets better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, going up and helping out at the campground, doing a lot more stuff outdoors, rediscovering kind of my redneck roots. Because living out east to an extent kind of pushed that out of me. Um, living with my second fiance, I pushed that out of me, uh, I become a little bit more of a cosmopolitan city boy and, you know, getting out of the city made me realize that no, I am a truck driving, beer swilling, cigar smoking, but cheap cigar smoking, redneck. And I will always be that. So being back in my element, um, is a little bit now. And I mean, I I do live in a city, but it's a small city. It's a very small city that's got a lot of trucks that are bigger and louder than mine, which takes a lot by the way. So um, yeah, finding that and then just finding charity too. I mean, I jumped at the opportunity to go back and once the generational gap, the other show on uh, the former network that we all had together started in saying, we're gonna do charity. When Rob said, we're gonna do St. Jude's, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. I'm like, okay, sign me up, sign me up, sign me up. Until the day that I could do my own charity. And sit in this chair right here for 24 hours for suicide prevention. And even this right here, this is for charity. This is an audio podcast. I just realized I'm so used to this being video. He's
0: got like a lion's mane. It flows in the wind like Thor's (laughs) locks.
1: Yeah. My Twitter profile picture is actually a little bit misleading because I haven't changed it since I started growing my hair. But uh, yeah. No, I'm uh, just about shoulder length uh, hair right now because I'm growing it out to donate for cancer wigs. I'm not growing it for show. I'm going, growing out specifically so somebody can go make a wig out of it. Finding that helped me a lot, helping other people and helping other people get through some of the darkest points of their lives. Hearing the stories of all the because I have what did we have eighteen people on for the uh, for the suicide prevention stream, including sticks, by the way who phoned in all the way from the Netherlands. Hot damn. We were going for 24 hours. I knew that I could fit him in somewhere. It was probably wouldn't have been at the peak hour, but uh, yeah, even sticks. and Still those,
0: counts. Still counts.
1: <laughs> one of the last questions I asked him was, and the last question I asked everybody is, "What? where is suicide been in your life? And I've heard some people say that they had issues with it themselves, and other people say that they had lost somebody from it. If I can save just one life, I will do it. And that is a big part of it for me. Use my experience. Use something to go help somebody know that there's a way out of it, that there's help. And it doesn't necessarily have to go down the therapeutic path. I was in therapy for three days. And I looked at the therapist who was a quack and I said, this isn't for me. This isn't doing jack shit. Now, mind you, you can probably argue that I probably didn't do it the healthiest way myself because as soon as I did that, I had a threesome that night. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have made better choices at that point, but
0: <clears throat> well, well, I mean, it's like, it's like with me, I went through a phase in, in 2018, 2019, where, you know, like alcohol was my crutch. And what I realized quickly after going and just sitting on one AA meeting was that I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't. And I went to my therapist, I talked about, I'm like, I'm not those people. And later it's like, you know, I've got an addictive personality. When, when I'm at a moment of weakness, I go to the nearest thing that brings me comfort. You know, it's, it's an anxiety, uh issue it's a temperament issue and it's like you know it doesn't there's there's not a one size fits all solution for things that's why i really hate like the positivity movement that's in schools like the well you know everyone is special it's like no actually everyone's not special but you can aspire to be wow. through action and through change and, and through intention on those things you know i'm uh, you know, you know, it's it's one of those situations where it's like you can ultimately understand this, and while you can still have issues, I'm not saying you become like a you know like the perfect human being. Like you can at least be honest with yourself to, to a certain degree. So, I mean, like I can have, like, I've, I've been drinking a whiskey now I could tell people it's like, I'm not an alcoholic, but you can tell when I'm not in a good phase of my life because I, I lunge into something that makes me feel really great, but is ultimately not good for me, whether it's, you know, food for some people, you know, hobbies for others, people that get like, really, you know, I, I think that libertarianism, uh, you know, getting like libertarian politics is a way that some people, deal of their mental illness because they're already fucked up so it's like (laughs) one of those situations where it's like this is your you know paying for therapy might be a better option than this but you know i
1: I want to note for because i'm going to be putting the audio back onto my platform too this is Mm -hmm. being set on the we are libertarians network
0: oh i'll say i say it all the time (laughs)
1: man. i know
0: I, I say it all the time It's like, yeah, but But I mean, that that's it It was like one of the situations It's like, you know, I'm not I am not I am not an alcoholic I have an issue with alcohol right now But what is the root of it? The root of it was me Trying to compensate for For uh, a lack of things in my life And a few weeks before this episode I did an episode called Um uh, great expectations and jobs that suck. And it was, you know, basically me saying, you know, how's it you can go from real highs in your life to real lows, and then you go through the roller coaster again, and then you have to get to the point where it's like, you know, this is going to to continue, but you have the you have the choice to be happy in spite of all of that.
1: Well, and it was the same thing with me. I mean, I look back at it now and people would say, because all the time that and the money that I've dropped into bars, that I was an alcoholic. I almost never drank at home when I was alone. When there was a house party, it was a different story. But when I was alone, I almost never drank. I went to the bars because that's where the women were.
0: Yeah. I was addicted to females. I, I mean, it, it's, it's anything you used to fill the void. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it can be seen as, as healthy things. Like, you know, I know people that really jump into fitness and, you know, they look great and they they seem great, but you know, what what it, what is it they're trying to hide from? Everyone wants, you know, it's like, I, I just saw that movie with Anthony, I'm sorry, I just saw a documentary about Anthony Bourdain and I wonder why they called it Roadrunner. And it's because, you know, the, the Roadrunner never goes home. You know, most animals are territorial most animals even like fish and i I found this out about turtles turtles scare the shit out of me now turtles and fish you know (laughs) like they will go back to where they die where where, they will go to where they were born to die but road runners seem to always go forward and that was the issue of anthony bourdain and i i didn't even intend to bring this up but it's like you know with with anthony bourdain his problem was like he was he was always rushing To get into a scene, to get out of a scene, to get to the airport, to get to another country, just to repeat the same thing. And he was always going. And for him, it was because he was afraid to be a normal dad at home. He was afraid of being normal. And then, you know, he had people that were taking advantage of him. But, you know, the one thing he could give himself was distance, but it would never close the gap between him and the problem. And eventually mm-hmm. what he did was he chose what, what everyone thought would be like the happiest man in the world. He chose a permanent solution for a temporary problem because mm-hmm. he was afraid of the steps of having to fix it. And now the world has been deprived of one of its best, you know, cultural commentators. You know, yeah. it's it, it's it, it's it's you know, it's why they called the documentary Roadrunner. Because he just kept going straight, and that's not how people are. Well, I mean, it's, it's how they they are, but it's not what they. It's not what they are. It's just stuck to. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the right way to say. It. It's like, you, you you can be, but you know, like that that in, in itself is a choice. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well. This is uh, this has gone by all too fast. Uh, I certainly didn't expect it, all of it, to go on this roller coaster, but uh, thank you. Uh, you know, I say this to all my guests. Thank you for taking the time. But I mean, this. Uh, you know, if it can help one person out there, that that's what's important. Thank you for being willing to talk about this in such detail. Thank you for being willing to come on my show and and talk about this. I do greatly appreciate it. If people want to check out all the things that you do on a regular basis, how could they do so to repay the favor?
1: Uh, You can go in and you can check out my Twitter because that'll have most of the links for everything else that you can find there. That is at Ed's blog Twitter with a one in place of the I. Or you can check me out 7 a.m. weekday mornings on Contemporary. That is on youtube.com slash jadgar101 or twitch.tv slash jadgar101. I multi stream or you can also check out the show that I normally do with a co-host, Elaine, Libertarian Red One. Uh, that is on the same channels, but that is on Monday nights at 530. So you can go check out all those. Uh, we I don't interact with the live chat during the morning show, except for on Friday. But we do take questions between uh, topics on the Monday night show. So you can go check us out there. And watch the twitter for updates because i want to be bringing gaming back too in the uh, near future as well so there'll be more opportunity to catch up in the chat so absolutely love to have uh you guys uh all over there we got to get you on my channel at some point
0: too i've i've got the time man let me know well sir thank you so much really thank you Remzo. All right, folks. You know what I'm going to ask now, and if you don't, I'll go ahead and make it easy for you. It costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. A five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you can find the podcast across Al Gore's amazing internet. It takes five seconds to do something great so people can hear fantastic conversations, deep Deep dives like the ones that we have gone into today. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, just remind people, you know, the destination is important, but the journey matters too. As always, I'm Remso W. Martinez. Follow me across Al Gore's amazing internet. Hey, Remso, H E Y R E M S O. Remso W. Martinez, elsewhere. Be good, be safe, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you.